Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 673. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. This is where I wish I had a recording of our previous introduction so I wouldn't have to do it because my voice is kind of ragged. This is the AU Wishbone, and I am Van Allen Plexico. And by the way, we are always brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and, of course, by the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, the Patreon.com family. But I'm just not going to get the usual, uh, you know, oomph into it because I'm kind of raspy here. But I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, that was a weekend, I just said. Was it not? That was quite the weekend. Quite the weekend. I mean, good for us, good for Auburn, good basketball. Well, I'm not going to say good football, but the outcome and everything around it was good. It was a win. Yeah. Stadium's great. Fans are great. Happy for the team. Happy for Carnell. That was a, that's good. That was yes. happy. And Jimbo lost. <laughs> Texas A&M lost. That's You're a win. Yeah, them losing is a win. Uh, but yeah, we did. Uh, you have a note here, and I agree. We If we don't sound as good as normal, we left it all on the field, uh, yelling in support mainly of the defense because there were so many third downs where we are like, nah, God, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, I yelled a little bit at the basketball game, too. But then every time I'd start to feel it in my throat, I'm like, oh, got to save it for tomorrow night. You got to pace yourself. Right? You couldn't yeah. go all out in the basketball game because you had to pace ourselves for Saturday. That's right. You got to back off. And uh, I, 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 I kind of jotted down a couple of sentences. I think this should fit in a minute or less. You know, On my phone about the game, I simply said, the offense did just enough. This is the football game. The offense, and I mean just enough, <laughs> you know, um, one good drive and otherwise basically advancing the ball across midfield. The main thing that the offense did, other than that one good drive that scored a touchdown, the main thing the offense did in that game was get the ball out of our end of the field so that when we punted it, it pinned them deep more often than not rather than – because I felt like – It was one of those games where whichever team ended up having it down in the red zone the most would like, you know, like the blind squirrel in the nut accidentally back into the end zone. And fortunately, we were able to get two field goals out of that. They only got one. We had a touchdown drive. They had a touchdown drive. But we kind of, on the strength of the defense, backed into two field goals. They, They kind of backed into one. And that was the difference in the game. So it really came down to our special teams. I put it this way. The offense and the, the, the offense and the special teams work together to keep the ball, make them have to go a long way, which then let the defense stop them before they got in too close a danger to us, barely even crossing the 50-yard line. So it really was one of those rare games where all three phases of the game kind of were of the team 
we're, we're kind of working together. I think whether they realized it or not, whether that was a plan or not, the offense did just enough that when we punted, it was pretty deep, and then the defense had a lot to work with because it was deep. And then they made them punt back to us, and then we could advance to their 35 and punt, <laughs> and they're in the hole again. And we kind of kept them backed up. No, I, you're 100% right, and it was intentional stuff. Carnell talked about complimentary football several times to, you know, after the game, how they – they that was part of the game plan to play complimentary football and we did it and by that we mean what you're talking about the defense special teams the offense supporting each other not putting each other in bad positions putting the defense in good positions getting good field position for the offense by pinning them deep and forcing punts and that kind of thing and you're right it was just enough and the defense was great the defense was outstanding and i get it AM was a you know a Missing a chain, missing their best receiver who got hurt early this season, a freshman quarterback in Auburn. I don't care. That was a dominating defensive performance, and I enjoyed every moment of that. The Auburn defense was the best unit on the field for any, for either team in That's that right. game. And and we didn't think we would be saying that a few weeks ago. No. So they've really, and we'll have more to say about that. But it that it's the difference that the defense is making now is startling how much better we'll change. Talk about that. yeah we'll talk about that all right so we got we got much more to say about this game we got a little bit to say about the next game we have a little bit to say about the basketball game there's a lot of stuff to talk about tonight that we're going to kind of zip through here hopefully but we did go on the trip we were down there you and i guess both left on thursday got down to auburn friday evening i mean thursday evening or thereabouts and uh i got stopped by and see my brother and sister in silicaga which is part one there it's kind of funny and then uh, on Friday, we actually worked on our secret project, interviewing some people. That was awesome. You set all that up, and I give you A-plus gold star for that. That was fantastic. It was wonderful. I mean, again, we're working on you know, the next big project, and we spent a lot of time talking to people, collecting information, and you're going to like it. Yeah, I think so. And I think people, Auburn, the, the Auburn people <laughs> that know about it, we're pretty excited that that's what we're doing. We just can't talk about it yet because I don't want anybody to steal it, um, among other things. Um, we saw so many people. All right, so that was Friday, and then we went to the basketball game. And this was funny. My brother <laughs> my brother texted me and said, are you all at the basketball game? I said, yes. He says, where are you? I said, we're right behind the visitor's bench. And I hear, I hear, hey, and I look around, he's two rows behind us. He's right behind us <laughs> and over my left shoulder, which was crazy. So he sat next to us almost, you know, or near to us the whole game. That was cool. That was the first time he'd ever been to an Auburn or any college basketball game. He just decided he knew we were there, and he decided to grab a ticket and come on down. Surprises, and that was cool. And then, um, so that was Friday. And then Saturday, um, what did we do Saturday morning? I can't even remember now. It's all a blur. Well, we went to campus. Yes. And we recorded some video shows, including a YouTube you know, dis- uh, posted discussion about the basketball game. We reviewed that game and talked about the season. Um, and then we did another YouTube show right in front of the stadium where we talked about what we want in the next coach. Yes. And then we went to the bookstore. Yes, we did. And so we went over to the bookstore, and we had our book signing from 1 to 3. We had lunch with uh, Jared and, and uh, Kathy. And then we went over to the bookstore and um, set up for two hours, and it was two absolutely amazing, incredible hours. It was amazing. I, I thought, you know, maybe we'll have two or three or four people come by. Maybe we'll sell a couple of books. It'll be nice. 
Holy cow, John. I mean, the people that came by, it's like half of Auburn Twitter came by. Half of our AU wishbone people that we knew would be around came by. And uh, Reynolds Wolf. I mean, it was funny. We were sitting there, and all of a sudden we look up, and I hear... Like an unwanted neighbor that comes over and visits. From but he was channel, wanted. Reynolds Wolf. Thundersnow. He was wanted, and he did. He came by. In this, and I, love, I said, I'm, I, you know, he he had he posted, we posted, and he posted pictures on Facebook and Twitter of he had this beautiful like scarlet red jacket, and when he took it off, it had a blue sky blue lining with clouds. I'm like, that's like the perfect jacket for Reynolds Wolf, the weatherman, is this cloud cloudy sky blue sky jacket. It was so cool, and he came by and, and got to got to hang out a little bit, and that was awesome. Uh, Will Collier came by. Uh, Clint Richardson came by of the Uniform Database. Uh, Auburn Elvis uh, came by. Logan Chilton, Colby Ch- Butler. Yep. yep. Uh, I'm, I'm going to miss people here. I know. Um, I shouldn't have gone down the path because we're going to leave people out, but just so many. So many people came by. It, some people who weren't who already had the book or weren't buying a book because they were getting ready to go to the football game came by just to say hi, to say they enjoyed the podcast, they appreciated it, they wanted to hear more of it, and that really, really made it a special day. Really I just good. can't thank everybody enough who made the effort to come by the bookstore on Saturday because it really meant a lot to Vanita. It, it did. It did, yeah. And, and then add on to that, we had like 50 copies of the basketball book and like 40 copies of the football book and when the two hours were up, there were like eight copies of the football book left and no basketball. Yep. And Jared was there signing the football book with us. Yep. yep. And MVP Kathy Bright was there helping out. And Jared did, you know, did a great job and actually drew a sketch for somebody, one of the books. That was cool. to sketch drawing. That was great. And we got to see that live. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was funny because one of our, uh, I think one of our patrons actually came up and all we had left was the one little basketball book on the little stand-up rack. That was all that was left. And he's like, yeah, I want to get the basketball book. And, and well, that was the last one. I forgot who it was now. I'm sorry. I just saw. I just talked to him on Twitter. Dang it. But anyway, um, he got the last one, and that was like right at 3 o'clock. So it took us exactly two hours to sell every single copy plus a bunch of the football book, and we appreciate, um, we appreciate everybody that was able to come through. It was just so good. And... Um, and, uh, and, and we have to say thanks to the bookstore staff for yes. making that happen because they're always very hospitable. Oh, Samantha's great, and John Q, and uh, all the other folks that work there were so nice. They just—it was funny because we asked, we asked, uh, "Are there any more copies of the basketball book?" And like three different employees came up at different times and said, "I'm sorry, we don't have any more." No, I'm sorry, we don't have any more. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool, right? And three different people are looking around for it and, and come up and report, but. Uh, yeah, that was just so cool. So, uh, yeah, I do want to thank Samantha and, and John and, and all the other folks there that uh, that hosted us. And uh, and you know what? We had our little tablecloth with the with the wishbone logo on it that, that Auburn Elvis originally made. And I think that helped. I think that people saw that. You know, I, I said before, we didn't have nearly as many people come up in past times that we've done that. And I think it's because they just look over and see a couple of guys sitting at a table and they don't know what it is. Even though they had a little sign on the table, you kind of have to come up to the table to see the sign. Whereas yeah. we had a big we had a big table cover thing hanging down with a logo, and it said the new Auburn basketball book. And I think that that drew people's attention. Yes, 
So it was worth There it. were people in there who were just like, I'm here for the day, but I'm also a basketball fan. Hey, this looks cool. I need a gift for the Auburn fan in my life. And if, again, Christmas not far away. If you need a gift for the Auburn fan in your life, the Auburn basketball fan, order a basketball book. How can they get it, Van? Um, go to, um, I think it's on auwishbone.com. I will check. But definitely, definitely, if you go to Amazon, um, yeah, if you go to www, no, the one that's on, oh, I got to update that. See, I'm glad you said that. If you go to, if you go to auwishbone.com, the link takes you to the Patreon, but it's not there. It's not just there anymore. You can bypass that. Okay. I'll change that ASAP. But in the meantime, if I haven't changed it, when you hear this, just go to Amazon and search Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce. If you put in Auburn basketball, Barkley, Bruce, you need more than Auburn basketball because it just brings up like videos and stuff. But if you put in Auburn basketball, Barkley, Bruce, it'll take you right to it. And I think it's like $16 or something on Amazon. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So there you go. And uh, it was a big, and we got a quote from David Housel about it. Who's been reading it. Yes. Very and that was you. You won- did that. I was so excited <laughs> that you thought it because he kept saying, I want to pay you guys for this copy that, that your dad had brought to him. And we're like, no, no, no. And then what did you say? I said, well, you can give us a quote for the book. And he, mm-hmm. and he said, what was David Housel's quote about the book after he and his wife had both read it? It was so funny. You said that, and he kind of paused for a second. And he goes, the best and most comprehensive book ever written on Auburn basketball. And I immediately pulled my phone out and just, just typed that in. I'm like, I will not let that. And he's like, did you get that or whatever? I'm like, yes, I have it. Don't worry. I have it right here. <laughs> So I put it and right. What are we going to do with that quote? It's going to be on the cover as soon as I can re-update the cover. But so if you if you've got a copy now, you've got a rare first printing, maybe even a signed rare first printing, right? There's there's going to be like three phases of this book. There was the the patrons only that got the the hard covers, right? And by the way, if you're a if you're a patron, you can still get hard covers. Patrons are always able to order hard covers. Um, then there's the first batch that came out on Amazon which is what we were signing and what's out there right now. And then the, the next edition, which will probably be a little ways down the road, uh, we'll just have, the only thing that'll be different is it's just going to say on the cover that quote from David Housel instead of from the authors of we believed or whatever. So that'll be the only difference. So, so there you go. Anything else about the, uh, the, the weekend or the, uh, or the book, or the anything else along those lines. Just, it was such a wonderful, positive experience, and at the continuation of the tenth anniversary thing, several people came up and said, 10 more years." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "My age, our agents are working with John now to secure him for another ten-year contract, but I'm not sure he wants to sign. I don't think. I, I think you need an escape clause somewhere in there. You just got to put a big buyout in. Yeah, that's, gonna, that's the buyout <laughs> is the thing that we have to negotiate. Well. I was I was sad to hear that you're represented by um, the same Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton, yeah, man. John made the power move. He's represented by <laughs> Jimmy Sexton now, so it's made all the negotiations very very freighted and and heightened with uh, stress. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, um, so let's talk about the game a little bit. The Texas A and M game. Um, also, were we going to mention the basketball game at any point? I don't know if we have a spot on here for it, but we can just say really wait, quick it was wait. fun. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it was one of those games where our offense was terrible, but our defense held them down too. 
there was a, for a little while there, I was thinking the game was going to end like 35 to 34 or something. Cause I mean, it was like 18 to 15 in the late first half, but um, we were able to play good enough defense, which has kind of been this, this program's calling card the last few years. We were able to play good enough defense that even though we were missing everything we threw up, they were not ever pulling away. And that was huge, right? We couldn't score, but we wouldn't let them score. So it was just like a low-scoring game. And, um, and um, then we, I kept saying, you know, if we can just find some offense and catch up to them, I feel like we'll take the lead and not give it up because of our defense. And that's pretty much what happened. About halfway through the second half, we caught up to them and then started pulling away. And it was just a case of, like, uh, Alan Flanagan was shooting okay and Wendell was shooting okay. Everybody else couldn't throw it in the ocean. What do yeah. you make and of that? I mean, some of it is we have, you know, like 11 guys that could play. I mean, Chance Western ain't even playing yet. And so part of the, the, the benefit of that kind of good depth is there's probably going to be two or three guys that are, that are, you know, shooting well every game, but it may be two or three different guys every day. It's not always going to be those two same guys. It's not always going to be playing again and, and, and win. So I think that, you know, they were the guys that night, but next week it might be, you know, KD and John Broom or whatever. So um, I think that's the that's the message that I take away from. But also, it's early in the season, like we talked about. They're still figuring it out, the combinations, the offense, the spacing. There were a lot of very makeable shots. There were a lot of plays where we had a fast break and we had two guys and, and the, you know, the guy with the ball passed it when the other guy thought he was going to shoot it and not pass it. So he was out of position for the pass. That happened about four times in that game where we had like a two on one and threw the ball away. Just and those, away. those, yeah. And those are the kind of things that over the course of the season, Bruce and them will see that we'll, we'll work on that and we'll get, we'll eliminate those mistakes and yeah. that, that those shots will fall. That's just that team chemistry and they don't have much right now because yeah. the some of the guards have played together before, but everybody else, either you know, like Flanagan was just a totally different player last year. He seemed a lot better. That's a good sign. That I mean, that was the main. My main takeaway from this game was we were playing really good defense already, and Flanagan is is looking more like his normal self again. All last year, Flanagan just didn't have it. He yeah. just didn't have it. One hundred percent. But he yeah. was much better, much better this time. So he was, and I think. Again, I think in a many games like that where we're not shooting well, the answer is going to be Janai Broom down low. Mm. But he's dealing with a uh, you know a sprained ankle and recovering from that, and he's not 100%. And he had a lot of good looks that just bounced around. And I think when he has his normal you know spring and explosion, I think they'll fall and he'll be fine. So I think that's going to be kind of our answer in a lot of games when the outside shot isn't working to get it into him and he'll make some easy baskets for us. Uh, Dylan got a, like a, a hurt ankle. It seemed like, you know, he, he went out mm -hmm. there and got hurt, went off the court for a while, came back out and then got hurt again. It seemed like, I don't know what, I haven't heard the late card. Well, I heard, hadn't heard the latest on him. Um, but it, it didn't look good. He was hobbling around on the side. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it does sound like Westry's going to play the next game, which is Tuesday night against Winthrop. Winthrop. Okay, well, that'll be good. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the Texas A&M football game, tackle football game on the Plains. Um, I think the main story out of this game, really, and it's a, I'm so glad we won, obviously, 
But the real story was everything around it. There was a sellout, I guess, for the first time. Yeah. The meta around the game was yeah. bigger than the game itself in some ways. The people were so excited. You would think it was a, it was a, to an iron. Somebody said it was like an iron bowl. I'm like, it was like we were getting ready to go to the SEC championship game almost. Everybody was just so excited. Um, Tiger Walk was huge. I got to high five Cadillac. That was, I was, I was leaning out with my phone filming it because I wanted to film it all for Amy and Mira that, that didn't get to come. And so I was like already kind of out in the street a little bit with holding my phone in my left hand. And when Cadillac comes along, he was right near our side in that suit with the squares on it. He was very visible. And so he was just kind of high-fiving everybody. And I thought, I got a free hand. And I just kind of put my hand out there and he got me. He high-fived me. So I was like, all right, that's a good sign. And I shared it with everyone else. Um, but yeah, the, the atmosphere, the fans, Tiger Walk, uh, the pregame... Which, by the way, I I filmed the entire pregame, and it is currently on AU Wishbone TV on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you search AU Wishbone TV, uh, it may be right there when you open our channel page. You may have to click on the videos tab, right? To, to either way, but there's like a 12 minute long video I filmed of the entire opening. I also it also I also posted Tiger Walk. So if you yes. want to see me high five Cadillac and that whole the whole team come by and everybody and the coaches, again it's all there on AU Wishbone TV on YouTube. And it the pre, there's a lot of the pregame that Van filmed that is you know was not on SEC Network that was really good or really powerful stuff. Yeah, so. it was really, and, and it's funny. I, I just go ahead. I was just gonna say before the game, you and I were like, "Do you think they're gonna do the go crazy Cadillac play?" I'm like, "They got to. They have to. Somebody should be fired if they don't." And it was the very first thing they did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Knew it was going to do it. Knew they were going to do it. I, I just want to say, I think it, this set, this crowd and the energy around this game says something about Auburn and Auburn people. And I'm not saying yes. this to pat ourselves on the back because we were there. But this team is, you know, they're not, probably not going to a bowl game and really was kind of – and the other team wasn't great. It wasn't like we beat – you know, Ohio State or something. Right. This other team's not good to a bowl game either. It really was the battle to stay out of place in the West. And but you know, the energy and enthusiasm that Carnell has brought to the team make it so that everyone wanted to go out and support them and support the players who have been through so much during this time and show them, you know, what it means to play for Auburn and that we care about them. And we want them to be successful. And that's what the, to me, that's what the Tiger Walk and the the crowd uh, at the stadium was about. It was, you know, other teams, other fans of other teams, and so, you know, are in some ways, in my opinion, kind of fair weather fans. And they would only show up and do that if their team was playing for a championship. And right. that is not the case here. Nope. No, so when we say, when people say, why do you think some good coach would want to go to Auburn, point to Saturday night. This was a three-win team. A three-win team, and people were going bananas. Yeah, and the team was out celebrating for a long time after the game for beating a three-win team. I mean, you know, that's, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's incredibly good. That's great. That's that's who we are. It's what we do, thanks to Cadillac in part. And this is the other part. It was cold in that stadium. Yeah. And so those we were outside all day a lot in the cold, the Tiger Walk, and then in the stadium outside in the cold. And it was cold, but people stayed and mm. cheered 
for that team. Well, the the upper deck, I got to say, cleared out a little bit, especially on the, the east side. Yeah, the wind we, was blowing over there. We were in a little better, I think, spot, fortunately, and we were on the low west side. But uh, I didn't really blame them. In fact, some people, some the people to our right left about halftime, and some other people came down. And the lady looked at me and said, the wind is so cold. She had little kids. She's like, the wind is just so cold up there that we couldn't stand it. And I'm like, you know, that's cool with me, you know. So <laughs> so the upper deck's kind of emptied, but the rest of the stadium was still pretty full at the end. Um, but I didn't blame those people. They were dying up there. It was, Yeah, it, it was got colder than I expected just because of the wind chill. I didn't think I didn't take the wind chill into, into calculation when I planned my wardrobe. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, we got a ninety-two million dollar football only facility about to open, of which we have a couple of things to say. Uh, we've got fans that act like that. That kind we of got atmosphere. Big NIL collective big coming NIL. on with a bunch of money to support people. And and we got Cadillac saying, "Who wouldn't want to come to Auburn?" And we got a brand new athletic director and president who mm-hmm. are going to help line up the boosters and get everybody behind the new coach. Yep. I think that we are we've gone from being in the worst situation in most of the SEC to one of the best in the space of about 10 days and that's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but what you have to do is just throw all the garbage overboard, get rid of all the crap and just let Auburn be Auburn. And Auburn, the Auburn family will lift lift the program. If you let us, if you give us reason to, we will lift it up. And make it float and rise. And we've got that. And Cadillac is the conductor. I'm mixing my metaphors. Cadillac is is pumping the pump that's lifting everything up. You know what I mean? He, he, he was the catalyst. And I wanted to say this, John. Before they fired Harson, but when we knew they were going to, I looked at our coaching staff and I said, okay, the logical people in a logical world to take over would be one of the coordinators. And I said, that's not going to happen, right? We knew that wasn't going to happen. Right, you you don't toss the baked potato out and bring in the mashed potato. That doesn't work. So then you say, all right, well, who will they go with then? And I said, well, there's the two obvious Auburn guys, Zach and Cadillac. And I thought, well, Zach's title is associate head coach, so clearly they're going to choose him. If they had chosen him, I'm not saying it wouldn't be great. I think it would still have been good. But there's something about Cadillac. Am I wrong? No, you're right. He has some of it is who he is and his relationship with the fans. Yes. Right. And I think that's a and his accomplishments point. and his personality. Yes. Yes. And his personality. But also some of it is about uh, him and who he is as a, as a human being. Mm-hmm. And it really shows through. He loves those kids and wants what's best for them. And but also he loves Auburn unconditionally. Yes. Yeah, and so you. I didn't get take it. that into account when I was doing my calculus. I'm sorry. Let me. Th- this was the thing. I thought, well, in a logical world, they'll go with Zach, and um, he's probably like a more experienced, better administrator or something. That was my thinking by just a little bit. And I thought, then there's Cadillac, but you know he doesn't really have a lot of experience coaching, so you probably shouldn't go with him. I totally missed in my thinking. I totally missed the emotional side of it and that has been everything well i'm going to be honest i don't think you know cohen and the president when they named they didn't know this was going to happen coach they did not know this was going to happen no No. they thought he would take care of the players yeah and bring the staff and the players together and get through the season they i don't think they ever dreamed that the auburn family would just have this 
outpouring of love and excitement and support. They've got to be, well, they're surprised, yes. Do you think they're pleasantly surprised? I assume they are. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But it also, and some of the some of the surprises also like same players, mm-hmm. mostly the same coaches, mm-hmm. very few practices. Team looks dramatically different with some ingredients missing. Hmm. Hmm. Addition by subtraction has never been so vivid. This is the greatest example of addition by subtraction in the history of sports metaphors. It is. And, it's so, true. and all right, so somebody was saying, um, somebody I saw on a message board or something was saying, the only possible answer in terms of the defense is that Harson himself was deliberately doing things that were causing them to not play as well. And now that he's gone, they're playing more aggressive. They're rotating more. They're doing things that are helping the defense play better, which meant he was an he was a net drain. He was a net negative on our defense. Yes, I do. I do think he was responsible for the short rotation. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, because again, I think that was probably what, in his experience, had worked in the Mountain West or something. He thought you don't need you know you keep your best guys out there. And he didn't understand that in the SEC, you can't do that. It's just, it's not going to work over 60 minutes of three and a half hours, four hours a game. It's just not going to work. And so, yeah, addition by subtraction, you take him and, and the rest of his crowd that was that are, that are gone out, and they just, they're doing much more consistently well. They just are. There's And I love I love that there's been so much in like the, the, the media and stuff around Auburn like um, like we talked about the SEC shorts where the Auburn guy is just like, you know, it's funny how the Auburn guy two or three weeks ago was like, I've been dead inside since week three. It doesn't hurt when you don't care, you know, and that was true. And now they've gone to the Auburn guy just like, ah, <laughs> and they're like, Auburn guy, you're like three and six. He's like, ah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love that. And then there was the cartoon today I saw on Twitter where the guy is like, there's the Auburn people are watching the TV and you see the Auburn game on and the Bama guy behind him is like, y'all's team sucks. And they're like, yeah, but Cadillac, yeah, y'all should just give up. Y'all are terrible. He's like, yeah, but, 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 but Cadillac is great. And then the Alabama's guy's like, stop being happy. <laughs> Alabama can't stand because think about it. They've got two losses and they are in misery. They are wallowing. They're where we were about a month ago. They are wallowing in the depths of misery with two losses. We've got six losses, and we're having the time of our lives right now. And they can't stand it. They can't stand it. That's right. They hate when we're happy. They hate it when we're happy. Well, but also they hate it because they see the thing that we talked about a few moments ago yeah. where the Auburn pieces are aligning in a good way for the yeah. future. And yeah. they see that. There's no way they're going to have it as good in the times to come as they've had it the last decade. There's no way. No. It's impossible. No. Whereas we're, we're getting our crap together. Tennessee's better. The yeah. West, the LSU's is clearly hired a competent coach. They're not going away. All right, let's let, 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 let's let's take a step. Let's take a breath. Alabama's got two losses and the season's not over yet. Okay, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not even going to play in the SEC championship game. Meanwhile, Ole Miss is better. Auburn looks like we're getting our ducks in a row. There's nowhere to go but up. Tennessee is way better. Georgia is out showing Alabama. Georgia is now what Alabama was and what they want to be. Um, 
You throw LSU. If, if LSU is better. Everybody around Alabama that they don't like, Florida, eh, we'll see. They got a coach. But Florida's on the road back up. They have hired a competent coach and yes. a competent recruiter, and they are on the path. It's a they're couple years away, but they're going to get back there. This is the worst nightmare for Alabama. Everybody that they dislike around them, except for Mississippi State, is is rising up, and they are starting to sink at the same time. And it's just so good. It's so good. Well, and if you watch their team this year, who's the whole team? Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Yeah. And those two guys are gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, um, let's see. Listen, we're going to talk about the Texas A&M game. Well, it was cold. You mentioned it was cold. Let's let's break down the uh, the offense, the defense, and so forth. Um, we ran the ball. I'm oh, sorry. I know. Good kill. Go go. I just say we ran points. the ball well early, but I think A and M pretty. It took them a half, but they finally figured out we weren't going to throw the ball, and so they quit even defending the pass pretty much. And so they were able to kind of stop the run, just because even if you have a bad run defense, if you put nine men up on the line, it's hard to run, and we just couldn't quite get the passing game to work. It was driving me crazy. We had, we had two good passes, I thought, in that game. There was a little pass to the tight end that got us a first down, and there was a pass to the uh, to the receiver. Um, but did you realize the touchdown pass that, that Ashford threw was the only completed pass to a wide receiver that we threw in the entire game? That oh, was yes. the only one. The other one was to a tight end, and all the others were incomplete. Well, there was one other one, maybe to Cadillac. Or, I mean, to uh, yeah, the Cadillac caught well, a screen to track. Yeah, I mean to tank. Yeah, and and uh, uh, Hunter caught a screen. But yeah, no, the wide receivers. You know, it, Ashford is. We won the game, and and we ran the ball well. But Ashford did not have a good game, and he no. he didn't run the ball as well as he did at Mississippi State, and the passing was very inconsistent. Yeah. You know, the biggest miss in the whole game was that the. You know, the wheel route to Jarquez where he was wide open and wide he was, open. you know, he was going to go all the way if, if Ashford hit him in stride. So, uh, but there was a couple others too where, you know, if we'd had, if he'd been accurate and been on time, we could have had some decent gains because they were overplaying the run, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a big weakness, but this is the offense kept moving, right? They figured out, I thought they had some really creative run play calls. Yes. Right? Like oh, they, they gosh, did yes. some creative things in the run game to get Jarquez and Tank yards. Yes. Tank and Jarquez both had over 120 yards. The first time two Auburn teammates have crossed that threshold since. Uh, Kirion and uh, 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 what's his name? 2014, Cameron Artis Payne and Ricardo Lewis. Wow. I wouldn't have come up with that. Okay. Okay. That's good. But they, we really did have some creative stuff. Ben and I were watching it carefully during the game, we, especially when we had both of them in the game at the same time. We did some misdirection kind of things, um, and it was some good stuff. But the football is often about finishing drives, and we crossed their 40-yard line eight times and scored 13 points. So we, we often got to, like, the 38-yard line it stalled. Well, and one of those field goals – was really when they fumbled on their like twenty yard line, or we caused yes. them to fumble. Yes. So um, the offense kept we we kept getting to like their thirty five and then couldn't do anything. I couldn't figure out what was the deal there. Like we would 
we would be rocking and rolling from like our 20 or deeper. We'd get across the 30, get across the 40, get across midfield. We have it going, going. We'd get to their 35. We would always be just right out of field goal range, right? We, we would get right to field goal range, roughly. And one time they actually did take the shot and missed because it was like, this was the thing that drove me crazy too. We, we got to their 35, which would be a 52-yard field goal once, and we punted. And then later we got to like their 38, three yards further out, and tried the field goal and missed. And I'm like, if you're going to try the long field goal, try it from the one that's closer in. <laughs> Why do you wait till it's longer out to do it? You know. And there were some occasions where we actually did get within field goal range, and then we had a penalty or something or a sack. It just it seemed like every time that we got the offense going, except that one time, Every time we got the offense going, we would either do a penalty or a turnover or have to punt, you know, and just get get bogged down. So I don't know. Um, but that's why I say the defense and the special teams bailed us out because they kept A&M backed up, and we made them have to go like 80 yards or more every single time. In fact, there was one time we almost pinned them on like the one-inch line. That was, inc- that was incredible. The referee ended up saying it was a touchback, but for a minute there we thought – Oh, we pinned them right up against the goal line. I wanted that one. I gotta be honest. Yeah, that was really good. It was, and, and it, it was just so close. Um, but yeah, I loved like the little reverses and little. The, they did like the toss. We we lined up in the eye formation a little bit, which is always kind of funny. It's like it's not quite the wishbone, but it's as close as we're probably ever going to get in this day and age. Uh, we lined up in the. Well, they, at one point pistol. they ran all three. We had Tank, Jarquez, and Alston. On the field, the field. And Van and I were like, line up at the wishbone, line up at yes. the Yes. If you were ever going to do it, you had all three running backs on the field at the same time, a couple of plays. And I think what they ended up doing was that they, they did the thing where you fake it to one, pitch it to the other, and then the third one is kind of out blocking. So it kind of was the wishbone in a way. It was a it was a different formation. You brought the guy on the sweep, inst- in the, like the jet sweep, instead of having him lined up in the halfback spot. But the end result was the same, which is that you get – a lead blocker for the running back going one direction while the other back either, you know, goes up the middle or goes the other direction or whatever for kind of like a kind of like a a, a counter, you know, going yes. in two directions and throwing off the defense. So that's a big thing with offenses these days is make your eyes go the wrong direction, make you hesitate. It's all about creating that little instant of uh, hesitation on the defense. Uh, yeah, it was interesting that Texas A&M was last in the SEC in rushing defense. They were actually first in passing defense, so we didn't even try to pass hardly, obviously. But, but they were last in rushing defense. But here's the problem. They're last in rushing defense because people would pass on them and kind of keep them have to be spread out. In this game, that last in the SEC rushing defense was able to pack the box and, and play the run probably better than they have all – I would probably bet that they did a better job against the run in this game than they have – at least, you know, play for play. I know we ran for like 260 yards or something, but almost every play was a run. So 260 is not a bad day's work for a defense if that's all the other team is doing, you know. Yeah, so. but you could see they weren't they weren't nearly as good as last year's A&M rush defense. So. No, no, no. Um, yeah, 40-yard 40 40 line, eight times scored 13 points. And again, like I said, at least three of that 13 was when they turned it over in fact, it reminded me of like a poor man's 1990 Florida State where it was really tight, really tight, and then we got like a strip on their end and kicked a field goal, you mm-hmm. know. 
very similar exactly. to that game. That was probably a much much higher caliber of game and players on the field. You know, a lot of NFL players on that field, but ended up being kind of a similar game because we were on about the same level as each other. Um, the defense, the defense, old school defense. This was really was like a 2007 kind of Auburn game where the defense absolutely shut the other team down. Uh, you take out that one drive, and Texas A&M had like 130 yards. They had, Until that drive, they had negative yards in the second half. The defense yes. had absolutely taken over the game and gave them nothing. And that freshman quarterback for them is really – you know, shaken and the crowd and the defense was all over him. The pass rush was outstanding in this game and they were making plays and getting pressure constantly. I got distracted because uh, a friend of mine on Twitter just posted a winter themed snowman themed Boba Fett as a Funko pop. I must now have a snow. I must now have a snowman Boba Fett. Holy cow. But did you know that Auburn and Carnell Williams have been trending on Twitter all day? And so has Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> but not for the same reason. <laughs> um, speaking of, let me go ahead and throw that out here. Um, we can get back to the breaking it down. But while I'm thinking about uh, somebody I know on one of the AU boards said, Texas A&M fans are divided into two camps. The ones who want Jimbo fired immediately and the ones who are willing to wait until the end of the season to fire him. <laughs> Which I'm like, everything we keep hearing is they're never going to fire him. And yet the, he says, um, he says I'm not sure they will fire him, but believe me, the fans are as done with him as we were with Harson. Wow. That's, I mean, and I don't blame him. He says, the biggest question seems to be the relationship between their AD and Jimbo. They go back a long way and they are very tight. The general feeling is that in order to get rid of Jimbo, the AD will have to go first. Does that sound familiar? He says. Jimbo may survive this because of his buyout and his ties to the AD, but he is damaged goods. If he does make it to next year, and I think he will, says this guy, he will be forced to make significant staff changes and will go into 2023 on an extremely hot seat. I saw a post that said if they could get 250,000 alumni to each pledge $320, it would cover the buyout. I believe they started a GoFundMe page. <laughs> I love that they've calculated how much each person has to give. Good gosh. 200 and th that says it all that you would need 250,000 people to give $320 each just to get rid of him. Can you imagine that? So that's I pulled up my calculator to check this. Keep going. That's 320 times a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, so that's, that's $80 million, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good it, you know, we throw around a number, $80 million, and you think, yeah, that's a lot of money. But when you stop and break it down into, it's a quarter of a million dollars times 320. If you had a stack of a, of, if you had a stack on your bed of a quarter of a million dollars, you'd need 320 of those stacks to make his buyout. I could do quite well on one stack, and he'd have to have 320 of them. I don't, I don't think he's getting fired. No, I don't think so either. They're going to have to get rid of a few and, stacks. And and it's also like I, I hear all this stuff, but he has all the leverage. Yeah. So they go, you must make staff changes. And he goes, no. Yeah, that's true. What are they going to do? What, well, what are you going to do? You gave him a guaranteed $85 million contract. What are you going to do? 
He, if he doesn't want to make staff changes, he, he doesn't have to. If he wants to call the offense, he's going to call the offense. Well, think about this. Over the next, what, eight years, he could either work hard all hours of every day and night or not. Either way, he gets the same amount of pay. And I, Now, I mean, I think he's going to work hard. But he's going to work hard the way he wants to work yeah, hard. I know. Yeah, he wants to the win. offense and doing it his way. And he if wants they to win him, and get fire. championships and go down in history. I get all that. But I'm just saying he doesn't have to. He literally, When you make a guaranteed contract like this, you are literally telling the coach, I am depending entirely on your dedication to wanting to succeed at this field of employment because you no longer have any financial incentive to do it. Right? You can... Come in at 4 o'clock in the morning and coach all day and recruit and do the circuit and talk to the reporters and do all that and coach the team and hire the coaches and then go home at 3 o'clock in the morning and see your wife for five minutes. Or you can go on an extended eight-year vacation to Tahiti (laughs) where you light your cigars with $100 bills. You can do either one of those things, John, and and it's all the same. So the only incentive he has at that point to earn that money is his own work ethic and his own desire to succeed because there's no financial incentive once you have a guaranteed contract like that other than morality clause or you know anything that they could do that could you know like a like a free Hugh Freeze type thing or a, a Bobby Petrino type thing if you if you walk the straight and narrow and just say to the school, you get the same pay as if you showed up and work hard every day and go 12 and 0. Yeah. Now there are, there are appearances you have to make that I'm sure that are in there as part yeah. of the, the extracurricular stuff, but you are correct in that the, you know, there's working and there's working. Right. Um, and, but it, it, you know, well, I think you only give that contract to somebody who has proven that they're, uh, a maniac, but again, it's because the agents have the coaches over these stupid barrels, and LSU wanted him. Let's remember, LSU yes. did all the credit now for Brian Kelly. They desperately wanted this human being, <laughs> which was dumb. But yeah, well, he had been there. That's offensive why he has Satan. the bigger contract. They thought he would be basically Kirby Smart 2.0 because he was Saban's buddy, just like Kirby was, and and they recruited. Well, all right, here's this is what I was saying because see. All right, my my friend, the late great George Perez, who drew the Avengers and a bunch of other, you know, great comics for Marvel and and DC for a very long time. Um, we're experiencing technical issues, so I'm just going to keep telling my story here while John comes back. So my good friend, the late George Perez, great Marvel artist, uh, he just passed away this past year. Uh, God God rest his soul. George once told me, um, he said, I now require my employers, you know, Marvel or DC or whoever, I require them to not pay me until the work is done. They want to pay me up front and I won't let them. They pay me when the work is done. I said, why is that? He says, because he says for a while there, they would give me the money and then I wouldn't have any incentive to draw the comic book. And I would get behind and get behind and just didn't feel like doing it because I already had the money. He said, I have to have you not pay me so that I can feel like I'm, I have an incentive to get up and do the work. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here with that coach. When you when you give them the money up front like that, which is what you're basically doing, where's the incentive? Yes, and and yeah, you're right. He has all the all the leverage because he can just say, "Go jump in the lake." What are you going to do? Give me eighty million dollars? Oh no, don't throw me in the briar patch. 
Oh, we got to mention this, by the way. That reminded me of something important. We'll get back to Alex McPherson and Oscar Chapman real quick. That's the last thing we're going to say about that game, I think. But um, there was an incident this weekend, John. A valued member of our team got left behind in Auburn. Leave no man behind. Well, but he's not a man, see. (laughs) Boris the Tiger traveled with me, or I guess he would say allowed me to travel with him, to Auburn, and he ended up watching the game on the sofa in the ringer's living room. And then when I packed up and left yesterday morning, I just took everything out of my bedroom, threw it in the car, and left. Said goodbye to Pat. He was there, Pat Ringer. And um, forgot Boris. And so I'm driving home. I'm halfway home. I'm like six hours into the trip. And Amy calls me, and she's like, you didn't forget Boris, did you? And I went, uh. And she's like, no, seriously, I was just kidding. But you didn't forget Boris. And I'm like, oh, crap. And she just, she's like, what? How did you forget? He was in the living room. I didn't even see him. Oh, no. So I start texting you, and, and then your parents get involved. Long story short, Boris the AU Tiger is currently traveling via air coach or something back to his adopted homeland of Illinois and should be here in a couple of days. But I feel like he was like the briar patch thing I just mentioned. That's what made me think of it. Boris is like, oh, no, don't leave me in Auburn. Oh, no, (laughs) don't make me have to hang around for another football weekend. So he's probably going to be in a bad mood when he gets back here. But at least he's getting back, and I appreciate Pat and your mom and and dad coordinating his his, uh, flight arrangements and everything to get him back home. He thought about staying. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, Special teams. I mean... We talked the last several weeks about Carlson. We saw him at Tiger Walk, and the injury report was in for him. He had a sling on the arm, so we, it was out to McPherson time. He kicked the opening kickoff out of bounds. That didn't go and well. And he did not He did not kick off after that. There was nope. another a walk-on kicker who kicked off. But McPherson kicked the field goals, kicked the extra point. He did good on the long field goal. He had the leg, but it wasn't straight. Mm-hmm. Uh but he came through when we needed him in, in a game with you know where we needed field goals. He made them, and Oscar Chapman was spectacular in this game. Yeah. Again and again, he pinned the other team deep. He and again in a game with a lot of punts where both offenses were struggling. Chapman was a difference when they punted. Um, I'm gonna let me give you a number here. When Texas A&M punted. They punted nine times, and they averaged 38 yards. We punted five times, but he averaged 45 yards. Yeah. So we're we're talking about a big difference. Just on a pure punt basis, he had three punts go inside their 20. Um, And the one that that missed by an inch going out of bounds on the one-yard line. That's right. So he he did a great job. Great job punting, pinning them back. And it really was a field position game, and Chapman made a big difference in that field position thing. They really did, yeah. Uh, final thought about the football game? Uh, Jimbo sucks. He, he does. It again, to a better guy. I, where was the offensive genius? 2003? 1998. Yeah. Telling, uh, telling Damian Craig which way to run in the 97 game. So we're not going to finish last. That's pretty much guaranteed now because we had the tiebreaker on them. I did not see that coming. No. I was going to say a minute ago, if there's any team in the SEC that acts like they could make this payoff to Jimbo and not even blink, it's them, 
right? Oh, sure. They could they could do it. They have the money. But it's also the you again, he just signed the number one recruiting class. He'll say it's a blip, it's a bad year, we'll come back next year with an experienced quarterback and, and more they're playing the most freshmen in the SEC in game time and snaps by a lot. Yeah. So A Chain didn't play against us. And he's not going to be back, but they'll have a lot of other talented players coming back, and he'll say we'll be fine. We're a young team. We got a lot of talented guys for the future. Well, we'll see how it goes. I here's here's Jimbo's record at Texas A and M: nine and four, eight and five, nine and one, eight and four, three and seven. Does that sound familiar? That's not not that's not eighty ninety million dollars right there. Gus was twelve and two, eight and five, seven and six, eight and five, ten and four. Eight and five, nine and four, six and four. I left. I let he win. He didn't coach the bowl game, so that seems awfully similar to me. Except that Gus never went three and seven, and did go twelve and two and ten and four. Which Jimbo has yet to have a double-digit winning year at at A and M. I know the COVID yeah. year, but he also, I mean, he you know nine wins is nine wins. I mean, that's Gus had two double-digit wins at Auburn. He hadn't had any at Texas A and M. That's just a fact. Sure. Just a fact. Um, all right, a couple other things in general. Uh, you had a couple of things there you want to go ahead and touch on before we finish off this section. Just the the, the crowd the crowd really mattered. We affected the the game and the quarterback. Um, um, you know, it, it was a the crowd was spectacular. It was at a plus effort by the the crowd. The noise, the students deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, especially um, the first no, half. I'm ready to move on to talk about the next game. All right, so Western Kentucky. I guess that's the Hilltoppers with the big red blob. I like yes, that. you get to see the big red blob mascot this weekend. Big, That's going to be th- three o'clock central, four o'clock communist on the SEC network. What do we know about Western Kentucky? Because I know very little. I know they're supposed to have a good offense. They are. They have a very good passing offense. Um, they're pretty good this year, and they're a good passing offense. But they, you know, they have not played a schedule that would impress you. Okay, so. They are seven and four, right? But here's who their losses are to: uh, Indiana, Texas, San Antonio, who's pretty good, um, North Texas, and Troy. Mm. Okay, their best win is probably UAB. Mm. And UAB is pretty good, and they won that game in uh, in Kentucky, twenty to seventeen. Okay. But they are a very strong passing team. They average 38 points a game oh boy. and a lot of passing yards per, on a per-game basis. Uh, they're very explosive, and they're going to put a lot of pressure on Auburn's offense um, in terms of the passing game. However, I do think that we can run on this team. Um, you, again, in that UAB game, UAB lowered the number of possessions and stuff, ran 39 times for 228 yards. Um, that Texas San like Antonio ran 45 times for 213 yards, so I think we can do that. Yeah, yeah, that I I feel like we can get 300 yards rushing in this game because they're not going to be able to have the players A and M had to just come up and stack the box and stop those guys on the line. They'll they'll do their damage, I'm yeah. sure, but not like A and M did in the second half. No, but they they have a I mean they have a good quarterback and good receivers and a good passing game and they are going to throw for a lot of yards. I mean they're going to throw forty five times and in most games they're getting three hundred yards plus passing. So, so we, the, you know it'll, it's going to be a challenge on that side. We're going to have to score some points. We can't just like hope we get seven to nothing on them because they're going to get yeah. We're not going to beat them ten to 
six. Right. Uh, so we're going to have to score some points, but also we're going to have to get some pass rush. We're going to have to play good coverage. Um, we're going to have to get some pressure on them. In the in the low in the games they have lost, you know, in some of those games they've lost, but they've scored like thirty points, right? Um, yeah. But so we need to control the clock with the running game and, and time of possession. That was the other thing in the Texas A&M game. We had like 12 minutes more time of possession. Yeah. And normally I, you know, I think time of possession is kind of a BS stat, but in that game it mattered because it yeah. saved our defense and made our defense fresher. Yeah. So they could get more, be more explosive at the end of the game and it wore down their defense. And well, so and- we need to do that in this game to, to in the t- Western Kentucky game to limit possessions. Right, right, right. Yeah. They're stopping them and then there's just not even letting them have the ball. That's right. And that's two different things. Okay, uh, this is going to be the last home game. Uh, it'll be Cadillac's last home game, at least for the foreseeable future. It'll be senior day, I assume, right? Um, and so you, we need the fans to come out. I don't know if it'll be quite like it was for A&M, but it can still be really, really, really good. Um, and now we've got a win, so they can be even more fired up. I'm, I'm, it would be kind of funny if our second sellout of the season – is not like Georgia or whoever, or who, I mean, who do so we played? We played Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State away. Who do we play? Or LSU? Oh, LSU. Yeah, it'd be funny if our sellout wasn't LSU. It was Western Kentucky. Had a bigger crowd for Western Kentucky than for LSU, but it could happen. It could happen. It could. That's funny. That says all you need to know about the potato posse is that they <laughs> they're getting outsold on the seat in the stands by Western Kentucky. Um, so yeah, we need the fans to come out. Energy, passion, emotion, support. We say that emotionally goes so far, but it's better than not. Yeah, it, the team needs it, the extra energy. Yeah, you know, a lot of tackling in space in this game. A lot of trying to, you know, they're going to be get rid of the ball quick, trying to get it out, make short passes, and make guys miss. We got to tackle in space, but the crowd can help keep the defense energized and cause problems for the other team's offense. Need to get environment suits and oxygen supplies because they're going to be tackling in space, John. It. Wouldn't want anybody to suffocate. Um, I got a quick little update here. I'll go ahead and. And this is a coaching search update, which is, um, it was weird. Most, if not all of the people, and I don't know about Deion Sanders, how he fared with Jackson State, but ju- I think every other coach that is being widely speculated about as our next head coach lost. Because Lanning at Oregon lost, Liberty Hugh Freeze lost, uh, Kiffin Ole Miss lost. I don't. Uh, Baylor lost, I believe. Grimes. Um, who am I leaving off? They all lost. That's crazy. But they all. It's like here's your big chance. Oh, I know one that didn't lose. Cadillac. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know if Jackson State lost or not. So. I'm not advocating Cadillac for head coach. I'm just saying he won. Everybody else lost. Maybe Dion. I don't know. I doubt. I doubt Dion lost just because Jackson's got better talent than most of the people they play. Yeah, um, that's true. But one pretty prominent SEC media guy that I saw on YouTube, and I will. I will not necessarily identify who it was in, in the white T-shirt. Um, said there are a couple of names, quote-unquote, that he's hearing from inside Auburn sources that are not the names being talked about by fans. So that was interesting because that means some there's a, there's a couple of people being actively checked out 
talk, preliminary talks that we're not talking about. And he said they are names that would be roughly on par with LSU hiring the Notre Dame coach, Kelly. Now, let's just speculate for just a minute. Humor me here, all right? Because you, know you know a lot of our listeners want to hear this, and they want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you think. Who is out there that is – he didn't mean like a coach that's this, the same stature, I don't think, as Kelly. I don't think that's what he was saying. He was saying it's a name that would be like – people would be like, oh, right? When LSU hired Kelly, people were kind of like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Whoa. That's – that kind of – that impresses me, right? That was when, – when LSU hired Kelly, there was a fair amount of, well, that's an odd fit, right? That's odd. But there was also a lot of, man, look at LSU, right? LSU went out there and they got them a name brand, right? They didn't fiddle around with, you know, with Walmart brand Cola. They went out and got Coca-Cola. They went out and got Pepsi. Who is out there that you think is on that same kind of level that the fans are not speculating about, but that we could be making preliminary feelers at? Who do you think? Well, I want to be clear. Sometimes these preliminary feelers come the other way, too. That's true. There's a job opening. People are applying for the job. People are sitting telling their agent, call them and let's have a conversation. And I promise you that job looks more appealing today than it did two weeks ago. Yes. All right. We, we, so you want me to think about who I'm going to yes. do this off the top of my head. We've, we've, we've been putting on right. a two-week, and especially this weekend, infomercial for why Auburn is a great job. That's what we did on Saturday. We put on a three-hour infomercial for why you should want to play or coach the Auburn Tigers. That's 100% what we did. So who out there might be going, huh, let me call my agent and just make a little, you know, have a little powwow. It's tough because I think the fit thing is yeah. big, right? right. So, um, But, but we, right, know that I, Cohen, we know that Cohen will go out of the box. He went all the way to Washington State to get Leach. So I don't fair. put it past him going, Cincinnati guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say Luke Fickle. If you want to add me, to, if we want to shoot for big, I would say Luke Fickle would be a great uh, coaching hire. Again, that guy can coach, and he he knows how to hire good people. And he knows how to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Randa, who brought Grimes with him, he's at Baylor. Yeah, he's the Baylor head coach. Who's the LSU defensive coordinator? Right. Um, I, I I think he's too old, and I don't think he would do this, but the. Kyle Whittingham at Utah, I think, is a really good coach. Interesting, interesting. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through it, like in terms of like big conference stuff, right? So, yeah, yeah. like in the ACC, I, I don't know. I mean, the the ACC championship game is going to be Clemson and North Carolina, and Dabo's not coming, and we're not hiring Mac Brown. Now, I'm going to say Dabo is a name that occurs to me if you really want to blow people's minds on the same yeah. level as Kelly. But I don't uh, think Dabo's coming. I don't think we want it. Zero point zero percent chance he's leaving. Right, unless it's Alabama, um, probably right. And even then, I don't. Th- I think he's not leaving. Yeah, I think he's not. I think he. A lot years ago, he was the heir apparent, mm. but I don't think he's going. I think, I think that think ship has sailed. On, a, um, on the crim- <laughs> that ship on the Crimson Tide has yeah. sailed away. But again, I don't think there's anybody else in the ACC. We're not going to hire the Wake Forest coach. No, no, to no, run no, that no, offense. No. Um, Again, and, and the, we're not hiring Jim Harbaugh. No. He's not leaving Michigan. No, there's just not a lot of names that jump out to me as being like, oh, that uh, person would be available. But I wouldn't have said LSU was going to hire the Notre Dame coach. I never would have said that. 
Yeah, but again, I'm I'm going through these conferences thinking about who's at these places. Um, yeah, well, if anybody and, and, occurs and so, to you, yeah, I, I, you know, Chip Kelly, I, I, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. He's just never succeeded anywhere other than Oregon. I think he's kind of succeeding at UCLA, right? It's taken him a while. They've been patient with yeah. him too. Yeah, it's it, it's been a while. So, but and I don't think they're going to win the conference this year either. No. So. Well, anyway, we got other, other fish to fry. I just thought it was interesting. But the, he did mention, the guy that did mention, though, that when Cohen decides to move, he's going to move fast and decisively and make it happen, and I like that. He seems like he could do that. I, I, okay. I, you want me to give somebody, like, I would be excited? You're not going to do this. They're not going to do this. But, if, like, Sonny Dykes came from TCU and brought Lincoln Riley's younger brother with him as the offensive coordinator. I'd be excited. Interesting. That is a hot offense right now, hmm. and they are making stuff happen and, and making guys making things happen on the offensive side. I don't think that's going to happen because he just literally just crossed the street from their rival SMU to you know to go to TCU, and there's a lot of hurt feelings hmm. uh, about yeah. that move already. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that's a guy that's you know doing a really good job. He took he walked into an environment. This is going to sound familiar where the previous coach had been there and the players were kind of down and the fans were kind of down and everything was kind of stale. And he walked in with basically the same group of players. And now they're like one of the top two or three offenses in the whole country scored a bunch of points. They're going to play in the conference championship game. So sort of like Gus Malzahn did. Okay. Um, all right. So we got a little bit more to go here, but uh, we got to do the guess the game coming up, man. People were sure excited to see Jared. Everybody's like, Hey, guess the game, Jared. Woo. You know they were loving. They were loving on Jared. That was awesome. I was very happy for him because he he earns it. He puts in this stuff every yeah. week. He puts it in, plus his beautiful artwork that he did for our We Believe book. I was so glad that he was able to come and get to do that. It was awesome. Um, so first, we got to thank the patrons. We do not do ads, guys. Everything is paid for and and provided for and covered by our patrons who get various benefits, like currently they're playing in the Fantasy Formula One League if they want to, and they're doing the uh, the college football pick'em contest if they want to, and there'll be the final four brackets coming up pretty soon in a few months. It'll be exciting. And uh, also they get to do things like order early advance copies and hardcover copies and signed copies of the basketball book and our next couple of books when they come out. So... All you got to do is go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com, and click on the big orange button to become a patron. All right, my throat's pretty dang sore tonight. Let's see if I can get through this. May not have much left for the rest of the show. Here we go. We have to thank Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Carl Von Drucker, Dr. Crackham, Ann Kanjian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AUFan at KSC, Matthew Flowers. I'm going to be swallowing a lot and trying to I gotta pace my voice here. Ah, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier at... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Who's right next door to Richard Stevens from the back booth at... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! We had, um, somebody came by and was singing that to us. Uh, I do like that Richard Stevens is in the back booth. I assume that David Housel has a, has a, has a seat. A permanent seat at the back of that place. Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Saw Willie. Willie came by. That was awesome. 76 Tiger Esquire, official sleazy slicer. Trial, 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 trial. Basketball season plus the basketball book. A winning combination since 2022. I like it. Ben Bloodworth, 
uh, Chris Hilton, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. I'm ready to run through a wall for Coach Caddy. By the way, folks, when you when you become a patron, you can put whatever you like as your name, and I read it, and sometimes it's a cool statement like that, and sometimes it is a uh, request from the soundboard. It's the hope that kills you. At least we didn't stop fighting. Amen. Um, well, that was probably a reference to the Mississippi State game. That reminds me, John, you and I were talking at the beginning of the game Saturday about uh, we've talked many times about our team, the Southern fighting, right? Southern Southern University is just like Southern. They don't have like a noun, just an adjective. So we assume that their title, their, the name of their team is the Southern fighting. And we decided that their marching band is the Southern fighting marching. So there you go. We've, we've made another discovery about Southern, the Southern fighting marching. Jacob and Robin Fleming, do with that what you will, folks. John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Owl go rhythm and blues. Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf. Uh, Rich Reimer, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, it's Bruce Pearl time. Amen. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Win Carroll, Heard Cadillac is taking over the reins and said. I must break you. No, 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 no. <laughs> he said. Good. Yeah. Good. Now we're having fun. Amen. Now we're having fun. Winston Body, Almost Everything School, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, In Absentia, Boris the Tiger, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Cato the Barner, Colby Butler, Corey Smyre, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Diabama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Milton, Mike Finley. Only two more wins, and we're bowl eligible. That's right. Just got to beat Western Kentucky and some other little team from, from FCS. Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, Weagle87, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A.J. Herman, Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshu, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Bruce Pearl says, hire Cadillac. Okay. Buckled up, riding shotgun with Cadillac with a V8 engine. I like it. Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dead, a.k.a. Ari Benzani. I'm missing my category, mister. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, and finally, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Uh, we got to get better at celebrating. Yeah. Oh, there's Mark. Insert your favorite soundboard clip. I think this time we're going to go... Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And they hear a lamentation of the women. That is what is best in life. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains. Um, <laughs> uh, there it is. Uh, Kenneth Brent Rains, Van John, and the Barbecue. You lied to me. Yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the half-things leaf has clearly slowed your mind. See, I went with that one because the other one is nobody likes you, and we proved, for, we proved once and for all that everybody likes Kathy, so... That's silly to have the other sound effect that she had about nobody likes you. Uh, Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at... Joel's 
Barbecue and Foot Massage. Yep. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Sports Illustrated's own Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. You are welcome. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, Chris, and our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. We have an update on the Pick'em Contest. Please elucidate us as to how that's going. I'm really looking forward to hearing for some reason. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I wasn't aware that we're doing a pick contest. Uh, I did want to mention that we have decided that if Yahoo is offering a World Cup pick thing, we're going to do it. Yes. Everybody who's a patron will be invited. If you want to participate, great. You don't have to, but it's going to be fun. If, whether you know about soccer or not, just pick your favorite countries. We'll see what happens. See what happens. Um, in the college football pickup contest, in the lead is somebody I'm, 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 I've never heard of this person. Vans picks the first place, 82%, still in first after this weekend, 73 and 16. I took uh, a two game of, pad now. I've extended my lead to two games over the rest of the field. Got a two game lead over Daniel and Big AU fan WHB who are at 80%. There's a group at 76%, somebody at 75%. I'm tied with a couple of people with the Wetter Burger Meisters at 74%. <laughs> so I'm I'm a, I'm like five game I'm uh, seven games back, but we got a couple weeks to go and I can still get there. So Absolutely. Uh, really fun doing this and mm-hmm. uh, get your picks in cuz there's there are games coming up. I thought I'd missed like three, and I looked at my results this morning, and obviously I'm sure everybody missed Vanderbilt. But that was the only one I missed. I was just lucky. I even had Alabama over Ole Miss. I was sure I had Ole Miss, but I decided gone with Alabama and then kind of forgotten. And so I ended up getting it right because I, if you'd asked me on game day morning, I'd have said, "Oh, I'm sure I, I'm sure I went with Ole Miss because I think they're going to win." No, I went with Alabama, and that worked out. So. Uh, if you know it's not magical, or I would have had Vanderbilt, and I don't think anybody had like nobody had only a couple of people had Liberty over Arkansas last week. Um, okay, so we've already talked about the book, talked about the college football uh, in the fantasy one league very quickly. The fantasy Formula One league, uh, there's only one race to go now. It looks like uh, Daniel pretty much has it. Eric M is in second and third. He's still within striking range if something insane happens. But it's going to take something along the order of what happened in the qualifying where Kevin Magnuson ended up getting the pole for the sprint race. It's going to take something like that. But you never know. I don't think we're going to get a giant storm at Abu Dhabi like we got in uh, in Sandstorm. Yeah, it could be a sandstorm. That's true. So so Daniel and then Eric M. Eric M. Royce is in fourth. J- uh, Alexandra Ringer in fifth. Way to go, Alexandra. And then John is in sixth, and I am in seventh. Alexandra's second team is in eighth. Royce in ninth again, and Daniel O in tenth. So it's quite a contest. Everybody's in the three thousands and something, but there's like a three four hundred point range between me and first place. Now I can go ahead and concede. This I'm just not. There was a there was a streak there where I was like first, second, first, third, and I'm like, hey, I got a shot. But I've been like 12, 13, 14, and so, you know. Um, one other quick Formula One thing. I am now completely done with Max Verstappen. He ticked me off so bad with what he did in that race this weekend. Did you see that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you gotten a chance I to? I did. Yeah. I, he's dead to me. How dare he? Jerk. Um, all right. It's time for Guess the Game. You ready? Let's do it. Who can 
man, John, and the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 70. Guess the Game 70 is sent in by listener Charles Mooney. So let's listen to what Charles sent in. And brings him to the line. First and 20. 11.27 to go. Third quarter. Play fake. Pressure. guys i will see you in the hint file i gotta tell you john my confidence suffered a blow <laughs> because jared pointed out at the book signing that he thinks the best ones are when i'm so sure i know what it is and i talk you into it and then i'm totally wrong those are the ones he thinks he enjoys the most and i'm like well <laughs> now i'm second guessing everything all right so let's okay process that was CBS broadcast. Sound like Vern. That was Vern from an older CBS game from several years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, it was a play where Auburn's defense caused a fumble. Somebody from Sheffield. Yeah. North Northwestern but Alabama. Sheffield, is, yeah. Um, but the crowd was going crazy. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think it was a home game. Probably. Okay. So CBS two thirty. Big game. Yeah, so it was a CBS 230 home game where a defense made a big play uh, and with, with Vern the call. It made me think, you know, could maybe think of 2010, honestly, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Georgia, maybe, was there a play where we hit mm. Aaron Murray? Or Arkansas uh, with uh, Mallet. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that was my my gut. But I the key is I can't place who the defender is. Like, I'm not remembering no, who was from Sheffield. So. I don't either. No, uh, I I, think I agree with you that those are two very prime candidates because those were both 230 CBS games, I'm pretty sure. Most of our games that year were once we got cooking. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have a better idea. Nothing just springs to my mind immediately. All right, well, let's go to the hint file then. I will not lead you down the garden path to ruin as I have in the past. Here we are in the hint file, so let's get rid of those bleeps. Francis brings him to the line. First and 20. 27 to go. Third quarter. Play fake. Pressure. Reggie Cobb. Fumble. Auburn ball. Reggie Cobb. That's our quarterback. Carlo Cheatham. Senior from Sheffield, Alabama. And the recovery. And Reggie Cobb is still down. Okay, I'll see you guys in the answer file. All right, there's only two games. Well, yeah, there's only two games there's that could be. Because we played them up there, and then we played them at home with Reggie Cobb. Did they not have Reggie Cobb in 86? We beat their brains out in 86 and 88. 87 was a tie up there. Which was the game up there where it rained and they beat us? 89. And it was not a game where we lost. He only uses games where we win. All right, let, let no, me walk. No, but I'm, I'm trying to think about the period of time. Let me walk you down the chronology as I remember it. Mm-hmm. 85 was the bow game. We lost bad. That was no, that was their quarterback. It was 86 in Auburn. We beat their brains in. I don't remember if Carlo Cheatham was on that team. I feel like maybe he was, but I'm not sure. That's when Pat Dye was calling him Carlos. 87, we were in Tennessee. That's the game where um, we were up 
uh, when Lyle kicked a 55-yard field goal right before the half, and then they scored. They came back, and it was like 20 to 20. It was a tie. Yes, yes. 88, we destroyed them in Auburn. And I think that's the game where we totally shut Reggie Cobb down. I want to say there was a play where, like, Shan Morris went in and took him out 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. 89 is the game where it was pouring down rain and Reggie Cobb ran for, like, and Webb, the Cobb-Webb connection. Yeah, that, that, I like, just remember the Sports Illustrated cover was Cobb-Webb or whatever. Yeah, we said blame it on the rain. They said Cobb-Webb connection. But that's the one where we had the one long pass to Alexander Wright in the rain, but otherwise they ran all over us because it was pouring down rain and Johnny Majors had the had the uh, the water fountains, the sprinklers, the sprinklers on. So it was even wetter because he had slower guys and wanted to slow down Alexander Wright. Yeah, yeah. So it's either eighty six or eighty eight. I think I'm. A, I let's guess go, let's call it eighty six. Let's call it eighty eight because we know he was there in eighty nine. Do we? Was yeah, because Cobb Webb. Oh, Cobb, yes. Yeah, okay. If he was there in 89, he probably was there, yeah. Okay. All right, let's go 88. I like it. I like that reasoning. Yeah, if he's there in 89, he was probably not in 86 because he only probably played three years. Let's go with it. All right, John, Van, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing Tennessee in 1988, well, you figured it out, and I'm proud of you. Yes. If you want to be like Charles and send in a cool guest the game for Van and John to piece together... Well, that's easy. You can reach out to me on any social media at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J A R R O D, at the Yard Sale Artist.com. Until next time, Van John now. Good. We kind of put it all together. Good job of kind of doing the, the logical progression there. So Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right. What do we got? All right. Here we go. First question is from Samuel Salvatore. He says, hello, guys. War Eagle and Happy Tears for these boys. They could have given up easily after what happened a couple weeks ago. I mean, I cried happy tears for Cadillac Williams. That man deserves a statue for what he's done, not only as a player, but as interim head coach. This needs to be a chapter in the We Believe book. His interview after the game with Cole was very emotional, too. Did this game remind you of last season except the opposite for both teams? Also, is A&M about to break the record of not only the buyout for Fisher, but also the transfer portal exodus? Yeah. (laughs) Well put. All right. This one's from uh, Rusty Owens, who says, possible segment idea. He says, hey, fellas, I pray you both made it back home safely. I was thinking today about something, and after I debunked it, I think the general premise would work for a segment for the show. You could call it something like, nobody's perfect. The idea is you pick your favorite coaching candidate, then the other person disagrees with their pick. They have to decide what kind of thing you would need in addition to make it a perfect pick. For example, if Hugh Freeze, I would say he only gets to carry a flip phone and join an accountability group. For <laughs> Kiffin, he needs to fire his analytics guy. Oh, God. Just a yes. thought. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Yeah. Um, well, and they all need to keep Cadillac if, if he's not the guy. And... Um, Lanning needs to bring somebody with a little more experience to kind of stand next to him just in case. 
and um, uh, Dion needs to bring a good uh, offensive coordinator or something. I don't know, but that's I know what he means though, and that's true. They all they all have something that we're like, oh, but there's that, you know. All right, here's an interesting question from Daniel Barnett. He says, "What do you guys make of Jeremy Pruitt being at the Auburn game this past Saturday?" He says, "I passed him after walking into the gates before the game." Surely it's a coincidence that Auburn isn't thinking about hiring him. I'm not a fan of his McDonald's bag specials. Love the show. And <laughs> I'm making. I was making the face when you said that that Mr. Green makes in Quantum of Solace when he sees Bond at the end. That there's a GIF. <laughs> if you just search Mr. Green Quantum of Solace on the GIF thing, you'll see what the face I was making. I, I, I just, a lot of times these coaches that are out of work go to other games to learn stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm sure he's putting out resumes and talking to people and that kind of stuff. Well, so um, uh, Jay Tate and his crew were reminding us all this week that back in Tuberville's era, there was a weekend where Jackie Sherrill just randomly showed up yeah. at the football complex and we weren't about to hire him. But he no. was there, so let's all take a breath there, yeah. Yeah. No, I think these, these out-of-work coaches are constantly traveling around, visiting, attending practice, talking to people, that kind of stuff, yeah. trying to keep their face out there. I hope that's all. All right. Next question is from uh, Jim McCrory. He says, Van and John, it was great to meet you guys this weekend. Buy your new book and be able to personally thank you for all, your do, all you do. Yes. Here's some specific comments and questions. First of all, Every Auburn fan that wants Cadillac needs to think about this question. If you were Auburn's AD making a million dollars, potentially about to bet all it all on your most important hire, are you hiring Cadillac? Probably not a bet most would make with their $1 million and a half salary. In hindsight, I now believe the Cadillac would have been, and it's a far better option than Harson ever was, so that could put him on the list. So here are my questions. He says, I, number one, I don't think Cadillac is target one, but how far would you go down your new coach want list before Cadillac becomes the best option available? Would you win more? Would more wins and high profile four and five star commitments change your ranking? And question two, for people who want Dion, isn't Cadillac just a better cultural fit version of Dion for Auburn? I've thought about that. I've thought about it. He says, that. yes. He says, yes. Dion is a better national brand, but Cadillac is a better culture fit. Dion promotes and loves Dion. Cadillac loves and promotes Auburn's. Cadillac's four years at Auburn in the SEC would be more valuable than two years of, of Dion's head coaching at Jackson State. Hope you had as much fun Saturday night as I did. War damn Eagle. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I've thought about that. I, w- I have lately, when, I, when people started saying Cadillac should get the full time job, I started thinking in a way he has the potential to be like Dion in that they both were star players at at a big university and both command a lot of respect among recruits and players uh, but both have questions about you know they haven't had a whole lot of experience yet and obviously you know you get experience by getting experience but you kind of work your way up and the 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 knock on Dion is being maybe he kind of needs to show what he can do at a slightly higher level before he jumps from the kiddie pool to the to the deep end. And Cadillac's kind of the same way. I mean, you know, we didn't hire Gus until he'd gone off to Arkansas State for a year and shown he could run a, you know, an FCS program, and then we brought him in to run Auburn. So, you know, you kind of want these people to kind of get some experience and some seasoning at a 
decent sized program before they jump to a major SEC West uh, program. This is from AJ Herman who says, Hey, Van John, what did you think of the light show in the stadium? Was it distracting? Did it add to the game atmosphere? Enjoy the show, AJ Herman. I loved it. That's the first time I've ever seen it at night. Yeah, I, it, it's really, I mean, again, the LED lights and the stuff are different at night and it makes a bit, you know, I think it's it adds something. I, again, I'm, Van and I are old school. We like the band. Yes. You know, I want more band and less piped in music. We're at, at any stadium at, at Auburn included. Um, but I do think the, the kind of the start of the fourth quarter thing was fun and it got fans. It really, it was a critical moment because we were coming out of that into a third down and it got the fans really fired up. Right. Good timing for it. Yeah. Worked out. All right. A couple more. This question's from Bill Miner who says, I know we were over the moon to beat Jimbo, but where does this rank on the scale of best wins? Not necessarily quality or meaning in the season, just an in-your-face mood. I know we always love beating rivals, but beating Jimbo with the interim to warm up his seat has to be high on the list. The only one that came to mind to me are beating Kentucky with Barbie watching to go to the Final Four. Am I missing any others? No, I... That's a good comparison. It's... It's such a unique game that it's hard to compare it to other games because you can't compare it using the same criteria. I, I would have to spend a lot of time kind of thinking about it and going down the list of all the games we played to find other games that are even even close to it. I mean, I, there's, there's just not a... Because the only other times that we've had like an interim coach come in was like Brother Oliver and nobody was over the moon for him, you know. And um, I guess... Uh, I don't know we've even had another interim coach besides Brother Oliver. I guess at the very end of Gus, right, the bowl game, we had Steel Kevin Steele. coached the bowl game. Yeah, and even then, people were kind of very in on him. So, yeah, this is just kind of unprecedented. I don't know that there is a game we can compare this to. Just There's so much about but it's it. It's not me. just that. It's the it's – the, taking it out on a rival that we really want to beat, but yeah. but not in a like a gigantic game way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So i got to yeah. think about this one. Um no, I, I know. I'd have to, too. I, I don't, I mean. It was a much bigger game, but beating Urban Meyer was pretty satisfying, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of right, beating Georgia's uh, in there that are like that. Like that 99 Georgia game where we were like five and six and we just beat their brains in. Yes. That was up there. Amen. All right, a couple more. This is from Colby Butler who says, Hey, Van, John, and Jared, I wanted to start off saying that was so great to meet y'all in person this weekend. I've been a listener since 2015, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the show. I listen to a lot of Auburn podcasts regularly, but the wishbone is the only one I make sure to never miss. Here's my question. There's a lot of smoke today. This, this is Monday about Lane Kiffin to Auburn. Yeah. If it's true, does Kiffin finish his season at Ole Miss, or do they wait till after the Iron Bowl to announce a hire? How should this be handled in the best interest of Auburn? Oh, I think he definitely finishes the season. Uh, now that they've got, what, a couple of losses? they got at least two, right? Alabama and yeah. LSU? Yeah. Um, so now they're not looking at the playoffs. If they were going to go to the playoffs, I'd be like, oh, that complicates things because now you got to leave them alone and let them you know, do all that. But if they're just going to go to some bowl game, then, yeah, I think right after the Iron Bowl, I, I think you wait until the Iron Bowl is over and the Egg Bowl are over, but then as soon as that's over, if you're going to do if, – if you're going to do that, and I'm not necessarily saying that's what I'm cheering for, but if you're going to do that, I think right after the Iron Bowl and the Egg Bowl, that's when you pull the trigger. Boom, right there. Again, my target date for a new coach announcement that I want to see is Monday after the Iron Bowl. Yes. That's what I want. 
Yep. I want to have the new coach named and on campus and recruiting oh. and talking to kids in the transfer portal the Monday after the Iron Bowl. The rumors are flying hot and heavy the day after the Iron Bowl Sunday, and on Monday they roll them out for the press conference. That's right. That's it. All right. Uh, a couple more. This is from Auburn Elvis who says, Dear John or Van, I have heard outrageous reports that the two of you actually celebrating an Auburn victory even though Auburn has a losing record. How dare you, sirs? How dare you? <laughs> he sent that in, so uh, I'll play it again for all the trouble he went to there. How dare you? Indeed. Indeed. All right, last one. This is from never Chris Thrash. never somebody open says, an email so fast. Right, go ahead. This is from Chris Thrash, and the title of his email is The Case Against Cadillac. He says, Dear John of Am, I hope you had a spectacular time this weekend. He says, Carno Williams is Auburn to me. <laughs> We grew up about 20 minutes apart and played each other in basketball in high school. His recruitment was the first recruitment that I remember following as an Auburn fan. Cadillac's Auburn career has coincided with my time at Auburn. Water break. <laughs> That's pretty cool, by the way, he played basketball. <coughs> it is. His four years at Auburn overlap my four years, ending in 2004. He is probably my favorite Auburn Tiger ever, and this weekend just cemented it. I am so happy for him. I think he is and will be a spectacular recruiter and spokesman for Auburn. I believe he could be successful for Auburn. However, all coaches run their course, and eventually Auburn fans would likely want a replacement. This has happened to every Auburn coach, even Pat Dye. I don't think I can stand to hear Auburn people ever say anything negative about Cadillac, I don't have I don't have to listen to your podcast in seven years and hear the trial of Cadillac Williams. No. It would break me. Yes. That is why I want Cadillac as an assistant, but not the head coach. I'll hang up and listen, Chris Thrash. Please clap. No, I hundred percent agree with that. I hundred percent agree. That's part of the reason I, I kind of wish we would hire somebody not so intimately c- connected to us, because then if it doesn't work out and we pitch him overboard, we're happy to get rid of him and not like. And think about the division among the Auburn family if if it's questionable, right? Like, think about how people felt when we fired Gus. Like, a lot of people are like, you know, he sucks, get rid of him. And a lot of people are like, no, 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 he's great, keep him. And a lot of people are kind of like, well, I can go either way, you know. And now make that Cadillac and you think that you think that Gus caused a, a division within the family think about that would so I, I don't want to hold him back out of fear of getting rid of him but I also I agree that it would be horrible to have to get rid of him oh I, I I I this is something I thought about a lot Chris makes a, a really good point here is that it is really tough when you hire a hometown hero to be the head coach Okay, and I, if if something happened and and Carnell got the head coaching job, it would be very hard because we're not going to win every game and things aren't always going to go right. No. And then he's going to get criticism, and he he may get a lot of criticism. And I want you to think about, you know, no one recently was loved more at Nebraska than their former national championship winning quarterback who came back to coach the team at Scott Frost. They yep. loved that guy. Yep. They loved him. Like built statues loved him. Mm. And he coached that team and it wasn't good. Like they were they gave him a long grace period, but they had to fire him. Yeah, and, ran him out of town. Yeah. 
And so I think there is there is Chris has appropriately identified there is danger there in that side. So, I agree. No, I agree. And again, I don't want to hold him back no. just because I, of fear, but I understand just how bad that would be. You have but you have to be able to have an honest conversation about it. You do. Yes. All right. It's time to take a trip. Let's uh just like Boris the Tiger. Hopefully not in the box. Let's take a trip around the SEC. You and I took a trip through some SEC states. We did take a trip around the SEC, and um, we saw some football. So Tennessee left no doubt when they dismantled Missouri in a much more satisfying and convincing way than Georgia did. Not that it mattered because Georgia still beat Tennessee, but 66-24, I mean... Tennessee's basically trying to pad their resume now, right? Because they know they lost well, to Georgia. But it's also, they need to get their mojo back, you know, because yeah. Georgia kind of took it away from them. They did. They did. They do that to a lot of people. Georgia ruins a lot of things, John. <laughs> and this was just one more thing Georgia ruined. <laughs> but um, but uh, Alabama and Tennessee both are not in the SEC championship game, and that's pretty funny because there was five minutes where it looked like that might be the two of them. And neither one of them is going to be there. And they're both – well, Tennessee's hoping they can back into the playoffs now, and I just think it's funny. Um, this might be a good year to have a 12-team playoff. LSU barely beat Arkansas. Barely beat – without their without Arkansas's quarterback, and they barely beat them 13-10. That was interesting. Uh, Vanderbilt secured their first win. <laughs> I keep thinking first about – First win in like – first SEC win in three or four years. Yeah. I just keep thinking about the guy on SEC shorts sitting there on the throne with a crown and a scepter and a cape because they won a game. Uh, Alabama beat Ole Miss 30-24, and what I was to understand was a very close game where Ole Miss made some mistakes late and made some maybe bad decisions that kind of I, I I keep saying Kiffin is, did, can great build a great offense, but I question some of his decision making. I mean, they, they fumbled at their own 20, and Alabama scored. And uh, then at the end of the game, they, Jenkins had a big run, but then he was tired, and they you know, they took him out and threw the ball three times. Yeah. And then they, they were throwing the ball in the end zone at the end of the game, down six against Alabama. So. Yeah. Yep, they were there. Uh, Florida beat South Carolina 36. I, I just don't know what to make of South Carolina anymore. I, I thought they were crap. Then I thought they were suddenly amazingly good. Now I think they're crap again. Uh, again. They're in between those things. They're they're solid. They're not yeah. great. They're gonna. I think they're gonna bowl game, but they're not like incredible. And I think they thought, okay, Florida's still down. You know, Missouri's not good. Mm. Kentucky's down. Vanderbilt's down. We could jump up and maybe get second in the East. Mm-hmm. And they're no. not there. No. Um. You know what? You know what Florida's doing though. They're running the ball. No. They're getting better. They're getting better. Florida's getting better. They are. It's a they sign of good coaching. They get better as the season goes along. And Georgia State, Georgia, Georgia toyed with Mississippi State for a couple of minutes and then put the big paw down on them and smacked them down. So we were all sad to see that, but that's how it goes, 45 to 19. All right, got, we got coming up Florida at Vanderbilt, which is like the most – that's like the least interesting game every year. Georgia at Kentucky, that's going to be a beatdown. Kentucky got lost to Vanderbilt. They're not going to beat Georgia. Uh, Tennessee at South Carolina. I don't see South Carolina able to put up a fight more than one quarter. Um, Ole Miss at Arkansas. It is weird to think of Tennessee as being good now. It still throws me off. Uh, Ole Miss at Arkansas. You know, it's funny. 
Ole Miss should win in a romp, and yet I have a weird feeling Arkansas is going to hang in this game. And bearing Nike in mind, in Arkansas, yeah. yeah. And bear in mind, Ole Miss doesn't have much defense. That's right. And then UAB at LSU, they've won there before. UAB has won at Death Valley before. It could happen. It could. I doubt it. Crazier things have happened. Uh, Austin P at Alabama. Come on, Alabama. Really? Austin P. Are you serious? Pfft. Was Coosa Valley Academy busy? <laughs> I mean, come on. Was Southern Union busy that week? <laughs> Holy cow, Austin P. Oh, my gosh. East Tennessee State at Mississippi State. All right, that should be interesting. UMass at Texas A&M. Oh, Texas A&M has finally found an opponent worthy of them. They're, they're joining the Big East or whatever, the the, the Atlantic 10, whatever the Whatever they're in. Yeah, Atlantic Tated basketball. You could imagine how excited those A and M fans are gonna be for this game at noon. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, surely Texas A and M will win, but the fact that there's some doubt is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and New Mexico State at Missouri. I should hope so. Because again, listen to me very carefully, Missouri. When you play the second game in the in New Mexico State twofer, you also play it at Missouri. <laughs> I don't want to hear Missouri at at Albuquerque or whatever for the Santa for the New Mexico State game. We don't do that. No. Okay. What is your non SEC game to watch to wrap us up tonight? Yeah, because that's a pretty lightweight SEC schedule. That is a terrible one. That's. I mean, my Uh, God. What what game are you watching there, though? I mean, there's not a good game. I I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I will watch some Ole Miss Arkansas. Um, Well, there's our game. Obviously, it's at what eleven probably or something. They go again, four, three Eastern. Oh, that's three right. Central, four Eastern. I'm going to watch our game, of course. But these other games, I mean, yeah. um, the, I'm going to give you two in the early window and the noon, 11 a.m. window. TCU's at Baylor. Okay. That'll be interesting. And then Southern Cal at UCLA yeah. at eight Eastern, seven Central on Fox. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Because Southern Cal might have the inside track to the playoffs now. Yeah, they have one loss. Again, they're gonna they gotta play UCLA now, and then they gotta go down the road conference championship game against you know the winner of like Oregon, Utah. So mm. they might miss Oregon entirely and end up going without even ever playing Oregon. That's right. That's my understanding. So yeah. All right. Well, we got it in in uh, just under two hours tonight, but we had a lot to talk about. We had basketball, we had football, we had our trip, we had a whole lot of different topics to talk about. Hopefully everybody made it through it safely. We had weird microphone issues with you that we're going to have to look at because there was some stuff going on there, but hopefully the, my my post-game... <laughs> okay, Lord Vader. But my I think in post-production I can maybe fix it, but I want to figure out what's going on. All right, uh, any final thoughts? Our trip and our the big game and everything, quite a weekend. It was a great weekend. I, I'm tired. My voice is gone. Uh, but it was a really great weekend. It was wonderful to see everybody, and it was wonderful to see Van and us spend time together. I've got to be honest, you know, we talked at the 10th anniversary show. One of the secrets of this podcast is that we don't talk about the game, and then we sat next to each other and talked about the game for four hours, and then after we talked about the game a bunch. So it was a little bit different for us tonight, uh, having gone through that together, but it was wonderful time, and I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing it again. And I'm just going to say I've thanked everybody else, but the people I really need to thank the most are you and your parents who were so hospitable. They took me in, took me and Boris in off the streets, 
gave us a place to stay. We went to, you, you took us to the games and to, to lunch and everything. And we did our interviews and everything. And just, just a home run, a grand slam by the Ringer family this weekend. And I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. I think our time is up. And we thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. Regular man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.